and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you as well. And we are uh, picking up our unexpected part two. Um, I have a sense. I have a, I, have a, I, have a, I have a lurking sense that there's going to be a part three to this, but we'll see. Wow. What wow. I do, yeah, that's just a lurking sense because uh, I, I just think it's going to. I think the material will perhaps demand it, which is what, which is why we're doing it like this. Um, that's right. Because that's right. Uh, to go through um, Jones read my desire is uh, it's been a delight. Actually, if I'm if I'm being honest, we we often um uh it's, okay. So in the last the last episode before this, we did uh, sublime objects. Right. And, right. uh, the thing that I, uh, one of the opening gestures was, uh, my, my position on that book. And I, I th- and I think you agree with me is that it's, it's just like explosion, this big bang for, uh, for Zizek. And like, he makes these, uh, initial gestures and, and, uh, you know, p- puts down markers for things that he will continue to develop for the next, 30 years. Like, Absolutely. And it's so funny because, and, and with the idea, like, I think I said this to, um, to you in an email a long, long time ago about sublime object is that like, I, I think a lot of, um, and I've read, I mean, I, I don't know how many books he, like he's written at this point. Like a lot. I'm, he's written a lot and I've read, <laughs> I've read many of them, but not even like, I mean, like I maybe have read a third, but that's just like, that's, I, I mean, how many have I not read? So it's, right, it's just right. so, so much more. But I think for him, a lot of uh, a lot of the the excellent material is like a I think I cast it as this like a traumatic reaction to not getting things right the first time. Yeah, um, that's good. And I think what does it look like to get things right the first time? It is read my desire because yeah. th- it's just like to not be to not be too fawning uh, uh, about it. But like, let's just for example, uh, I'm going to start reading a paragraph okay. <laughs> from. Uh, we're going to, uh, we're not picking up exactly where we left off. We're going to go forward and then go back. But uh, can I just say one thing before you oh, do yeah, this? Sure, sure. I, I, okay. Cause I, I, I think let's hope that Slavoj, I know he doesn't listen, so I'm glad, yeah. but I hope he doesn't learn that we devoted three episodes to Jones book immediately after <laughs> we only devoted <laughs> one episode to sublime object. And we're like, it's so great. And then, oh, but it's only worth one episode. <laughs> well, I think uh, we gave, we, you, you were in the kitchen for like, a half hour and we did three episodes. That's true. We've done, so I, he, yeah, we've done a lot more. We've done yeah, we've done a lot. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he he will he has he's had his time. Um, he has had his time. Plus we as you say, um There's he's left us to. other works to to probe <laughs> later on, whereas Joan hasn't so much. And and I think you you said an interesting thing to me that you said this could have been the only book that she needed to write. And I think yeah. that's a really great. Yeah. I mean, I think Imagine There's No Woman is, is phenomenal. Excellent. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think you're absolutely right that she just kind of nails something. And the other thing that you said, and I'm going to steal both of your points, and Go then, ahead. but I'm going to tell you did say them. <laughs> but that 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 it's I think it's amazingly coherent, which yeah. we both said last time we didn't really feel that way. But when you're when you really study the book closely, I think you can see there's this one basic idea that mm-hmm. every chapter really probes. And so that mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like there is a kind of coherence to that. Yeah, yeah. It's I think uh, you're right. In other words, I think you're right to say that there's a total coherence to that. Well well, yeah, and and not um, and to, to be clear, what both 
I mean through Todd and for myself is not that like each like like it's not that like oh it really makes sense did could you believe that but like a lot of academic books it's there's chapters but they're it's it's like the the it's like how television used to be back in the back in the the seventies and eighties is that each thing was just a self-contained thing right and it was under a banner of it's some general idea and topic but right. uh and and that's it but this is and a you lot, could watch them yeah. in any order right like in that any, was exactly. a key thing and i yeah. think and that that is true i i would say though that that is kind of true about this book although there is certainly a logic from the beginning to the end that's exactly right you miss if you don't read it straight through i think you miss the like I, there's there's a, a kind of building that these chapters do that yeah. i didn't appreciate the first time i pre, uh, that i approached it and there's like you know this is something that we'll get to with um when we get to the uh, to the last uh a chapter sex and the euthanasia of reason like she she's been like the whole book like subtly laying down the framework for how she's going to engage with butler uh judith butler and there are like three references throughout the book uh t- to the word performative which at the time that she wrote the book was the like becoming the the that that was the the parlance of um of, of queer theory and 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 gender identity through judith butler's book gender Tr- trouble and but every time that Joan uses the word performative, she's referring to the J.L. Austin sense right. of a phrase. How to do things with words. How to do things with words, right? Like, right. Um, and it, like you're under arrest. Like this, this. Or I phrase, now pronounce you man and wife, right? Sure, yeah. right. Yeah, that, that, that's his example, right? His like example, that, like, right. I like yeah, your example better. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, a th- it's the thing Which is that more does... traumatic, to be married or to be under arrest? I don't know. I think the hot take is to say married, but that's like, like uh, that seems like stand-up comedy 101 right. from right. 1990. Right. So probably <laughs> probably not. So the... Um, th- uh, Which yeah, is why so I led you into it, because that's exactly my level of comic... Uh, <laughs> a Mugen, uh, yes, to use Joan's we. word, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think... Um, what what she's showing is how, as she showed in the first chapter about with the panopticon and and some of the core tenets of uh, Foucault's uh, widely disseminated uh, theory is that like there's a tautology to, to some of these right. things and that right. at the center of Austin's performative is a is a tautological logic and uh, which is kind of redundant for me to phrase it that way but it's something that she's going to get into later so which we are going to get into later, but, um, yeah, just, uh, that, that is, uh, something upon rereading for like for the, for the show, like the, like the, the little, the little, uh, connections between, between the chapters and across the book, I think, um, are, are something that really stood out to me. And this particular, although it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the, the explicit connections, right? Like it doesn't no, have the so. like, oh, and now we're going to read, we're going to turn no, to there's the no father, s- right? Yeah, there's not. She that. would never, I, I just think she would never do that. She like, would I never do she, it. I think she would think that that's condescending, even though that's so, tip- that's just like, it is so, Yeah. It, it's just so in academic writing. Like it's just, you know, the signal phrases, like, yeah. like, uh, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Like I, I was told that repeatedly when, when I, when I wrote uh, my dissertation, okay, you say this thing, when are you going to do it? indicate when you're going to do this right. thing like, you know, like, like just this, this, this and, uh, Joan would never do that. In other words, and like all my books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Todd McGowan, the, the theory of a simpleton, right? Is that, yes, is that that's, right. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, that's right. so just check, just like, check this out. This is just insane. Okay, yeah, I, I think, um, you don't have to, 
I'm not going to, this is the, the it begins a, um, a, a chapter, a subtitle, Hysteria and Democracy in America, which is, I want to underline that. So this okay. is the, tef, the Teflon totem, all right? You don't have to know what the plan of a bill, uh, sorry. <clears throat> you don't have to know the plan of a building in order to bang your head against its walls. As a matter of fact, it's precisely through your ignorance that you guarantee such accidents. I couldn't help recalling Lacan's observation, a kind of ironic re-echoing of Dr. Johnson's refutation of Bishop Berkeley as I watched the various episodes of television's comically repeated battle with what it called the Teflon precedent. Every idiotic blunder, every bold-faced lie that was caught by the cameras was played and replayed on the nightly news, juxtaposed with an image that directly contradicted and thus exposed the falsity of the president's words. But through by this means, it could decisively refute one statement after another. The medium could not, by its own incredulously tendered admission, menace the position of the president himself, which is a, just a buttery, beautiful phrase. Menace the position of the president. Right. Who's she talking about? 1994? Ronald Reagan emerged virtually unscathed by all these proofs of the incompetence and mendacity of his speech. It was as though America had acquired its own shroud of Turin, immune to all the doubts produced by fiber analysis. And we're going to get into this chapter in general, but, but just for here, like that, is that not, to use a rhetorical structure that she uses, a construction that she uses and Slavoj uses, is that not Trump? Is that well, not the current situation? But isn't is that what's not the structure of the entire thing that, absolutely. that we currently have? Yeah. Absolutely, but isn't what's interesting is how it's just gotten amped up with each subsequent Republican president. Yeah, like that's true. It's a Bush little bit well. more with Bush, like yeah. he with the Bushisms was a thing, and then Bush Junior. It was even more, mm-hmm. right? Like the the you know the various thing the 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 Michael Moore documentary, which is a, like an utter slam, and like he's reading My Pet Goat while the while the world oh. burns, right? And then, and then finally with Trump. So I think, I think what's interesting is that... What is, that what is the line? Our, our enemies never stop thinking of ways to kill Americans, and neither do we. To, damn, to hurt America, <laughs> to, and to neither hurt do America. we. Yeah, 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 that's great. And then the, my favorite one, I think, is when he go, he's in Tennessee, and he goes, there's an old saying in Tennessee, at least it's in Texas, I think it's in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, don't get fooled again. <laughs> like he gets lost <laughs> on this thing. <laughs> it's supposed to be shame on me, but he can't bring himself. I mean, there was a whole psychoanalysis in him that he couldn't bring himself to say shame on me. Do you know? That, so uh, people people say I, I I like that twist that you put on it because I think that's correct. Is but people have I've read people say like everyone quotes this. He's he said something stupid, but he didn't want the liberal media to have a a sound a quote. Uh, of him saying shame on me because they would have played it for year, and I just don't know that like that's like uh, really Bush was thinking that like that many like that's like seven dimensional chess uh, right uh, right move of him. well what's I, great is that know. that the the thi- he quoted a Who song which right. was his campaign song during the er, the campaign in two thousand so yeah, or he had yeah. used it during his campaign so he clearly had that in his in his mind but. Yeah, I yeah, clearly he wasn't thinking about not giving a soundbite. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so he's even he he he's so it's interesting she uses the German words which means something like disabled or incapable, right? Oh, I didn't quote that. So that's the, the title the first part of the chapter cuz I was uh, I, I was uh, 
nervous of my, uh, or I should say anxious, which we'll get to in the chapter previously, anxious of my, my German pronunciation. Yeah, it's the unfermugender other, or the mm-hmm. father, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the, so this, this weak or damaged or disabled father. Okay. And that, that the more you show the fa- that father's disability, mm-hmm. the more powerful he becomes, right? Like that's the, and I think you're right. Like Trump brings this logic, one would hope to its end point, but yeah. probably not, right? Like yeah. it's, there's probably another one lurking around the corner that's going to amp it up even more, I think, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, like openly... Like, think, like, openly professing QAnon stuff from the white... Yeah. I mean, like, you, you, I, I just don't think we... I don't think we can say... It's your favorite Murakami line, right? Like, that oh, hell has, has no, no bottom. bottom, right? Yeah, like, I right, think right, that... Right. The, I don't think we know where the end point of that of that logic is, but Joan is certainly on its its beginning point. Like, well, the, the, really, yeah. Oh, it's just, it's stunning because what, what she, what she gets at here is the thing that I think is very hard. It's really hard for, for, um, political, uh, you know, left wing of, of, of even of any stripe, like either like, like, like liberal, like you believe in a kind free market can deliver us to, to happiness forever. Or, you know, people much farther left than that, that want to, you know, take a, a, a restructure these uh, these systems that like make 50% of all bankruptcies in the United States medical uh, uh, related like right. related to cost okay so of any kind of um, of any kind of stripe on the left um, what the overwhelming sense that you get from political commentary is that what we need is more information right is that if we can get more information to more people if we can get more better information to more better informed people then we can stop this uh this fascistic menace but and i use that word because but what what has not been menaced is the position that right. trump took up that matt gates soon to be convicted pedophile has t- was taken up i'm sure well that i mean that really is the next step right like the convicted pedophile as the president i think that would be one way of cuz cuz i think the point is and i think this is the point she she really makes really well that that the the incompetence is actually the basis the weakness mm-hmm. is the basis of the identification not the barrier to it Right, right, like right. That, and that's I think, a hard logic, but it's it's it has to be. It's so at work, and it's and she even just a little like if we could just talk a little bit like she it's a little bit of a take on television that like television right. can't that as a medium can't cannot affect this uh, this like change in uh, like in in menacing the position of of the president. And I mean, I we just saw that very recently with Trump. I mean, I mean, we can add a new medium to it, which is the which is the internet. Right, and right. like, like all the fact checking in all the world <laughs> could not put Humpty Dumpty back together. You know, like, like the, 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 like Twitter, he had to be removed from it, and but even then, that doesn't like, that doesn't remove white supremacy right. from <laughs> from Twitter, and right. it doesn't remove you know QAnon. It do, it doesn't it, it and it, it it's so there's a I think a, a really nice. It's unfortunately a future-proof diagnosis of like the, the what is it? She says uh, she says later that like um, 
She says this. This is the next paragraph. Um, Let's not stoop to lazy name calling by noting merely that it was television that proved the bigger imbecile here. Analysis is doomed unless one can name the precise failing involved. And then she talks a little bit about the Perlane letter, which she'll talk about in another chapter. Again, another like that, like that's going to be in the next chapter, locked room, uh, lonely room. So there's like connected tissue. Um, And why couldn't the police find the stolen letter in uh, in in Perlane letter? Because they were looking for it in the wrong place. Right. And that is her, like, her take here on television is that, like, uh, the the modern rage for the referent lacks only the properly ludicrous dimension uh, of, uh, like, a more recent example, again, provided by American television. And then this is, like, I've maybe jumped a, a ahead a, a, a little bit here, but the... Um, well, I'm just going to keep reading. Toward the end of uh, December 1989, major, uh, and this is on page uh, 142, major and local television networks all at once dispatched their camera crews and news staff to Aspen, Colorado. What was the purchase of this not insignificant expenditure of time and money? In each case, it was to obtain one very specific image, that of the now empty spot in front of Bonnie's restaurant where Ivana had confronted Donald Trump. Uh, now, it was precisely this imbecilic devotion to the referent that made television news the dupes in their battle with Reagan. So absorbed were the news staffs in pinning down the president's lies and his errors, his referential failures, let's call them, that they neglected to consider the intersubjective dimension of the whole affair. They forgot to take account of the strength of the America public's, American public's love for Reagan. And at the end uh, of, of this paragraph, which is amazing, um, we maybe come back to some of these lines, uh, America didn't love Reagan for what he said, but simply because he was Reagan. Right. And that's, right. And that's the point. And so, like, the the reason why I started this whole thread, uh, what Twitter, uh, uh, left-wing Twitter pushback does on everything. And I mean, this work needs to be done. I I think it's true, but like it's the, to, to not see the limitation of, of it is really the problem. What nightly news, like, like what the problem here is, is that people think the argument they're making, like they're going to change the reference to, do you see how wrong the right is? Do you see, look at these things they say? This is what they're referring to, and you, we can you can see it's factually incorrect. People do this all the time. That's what they think the referent is. But what they're missing, and Joan says this here in 1994. I mean, this was written earlier, but this one when her book came out, that it's you're you're proving the you're proving the right wrong in the in the wrong place. Right, right, <laughs> right. You, you know, you're, you're, you, what you, you were making you're, the thing that I love all the time, right? You think, you think you're showing that, that, uh, uh, the, the water pick cleans your teeth, but you're showing me that it cleans corn like that. Like, like that's, that's what the, that's what the, the left, left wing media is doing is that you think that you're proving the ultimate falsity of this icon. How could anyone possibly believe this guy? Oh my God, look at how wrong, look at all these lies. Here's a, here's a website that catalogs all the lies. How could you believe this person? And you've done nothing to menace the position of that person because the position that person takes up, uh, is, 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 Actually, the failure is a part of it, which is which is what you were saying. That like you, right, I think that's the key thing, right? Like that 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 what you're identifying that the source of the identification is the failure. That that mm-hmm. that's the thing that libidinally ties the mass the mass of people to the leader, and I think or to the to the totalitarian leader. Like she's, yeah. and, and so I think she is saying that that Reagan and then the his later avatars like they that they're they're all in the mold of the totalitarian leader right just because they have that if we should use that even word even totalitarian um 
just because it it erases the right left difference i think um mm. but then you know it's interesting cuz at the end she says once you admit enjoyment into the system mm. that's the key and that's what allows you to diagnose it and it then it makes apparent that the space of the struggle she says is a conflictual space mm-hmm. one that will not lie down flat as on a grid so and then she says, yet it's just this conflict that preserves democracy. So for her to have a democracy at all, mm-hmm. and I think she, she at, at the, I think Slavoj was already turning away from democracy at this point. Mm-hmm. And she, mm-hmm. I think, uh, unlike him, has remained, I think she would yeah. call herself a Democrat even today. I mean, Smoldy, yeah. Uh, yeah. even today. And I think she, because there's this influence of Claude Lafour in, the, in this book, who was a great theorist of the radicality of democracy, French mm-hmm. theorist, and he he was in, if in her acknowledgement, she talks about her relationship to him, and and I think that that that, that this idea of the conflict of enjoy of forms of enjoyment mm-hmm. is for her that's that's the name of democracy, right? And it, and yeah. so if you think that it's just about the struggle of what is the correct or not. I don't even mm-hmm. want to say true. It's like what is correct or not. Then you're then you're leaving out this this conflict. You're making the space no longer conflictual. Yeah. Right. No, that's you're, really really nice when you make it. I think this is it's so funny is that people think I, I, like and like that's a, like like what what a vague statement. But I mean, you just see it everywhere, so I think it's supportable. But people think if you argue over what's correct, that implies that you own truth but it doesn't because you're not actually making an argument about truth right if you if, right. if you are if you're stuck in what's correct you're not you're not talking about truth you're right. actually leaving truth to the other side and i think that's a big point and you're also saying that the correct like we can agree on the fundamental truth when in fact that's what we don't agree on like that's yeah, why yes yes i think that's why the lies of from reagan to bush to bush to trump like the lies don't matter because there's this you, you see that the that the the lie is part of this fundamental agreement that mm-hmm. that, that is 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 bonding the leader to the to the people so i think that you know it's the weakness that she points out on the one hand but it's also this the lie is actually the signifier of the bond Right. Like yeah. that. I think it's really, you know, it's interesting because Kant, Kant, you know, his, in all of his writing on morality, it's clear that his, the thing that he abhors more than anything else is lying. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's always his example. So it's not like, you know, when I think of an immoral act, I would probably think of murder. I don't know. <laughs> uh, something like that. For uh, example, cheating, whatever. Right. Like stealing, maybe. But for Kant, it's always lying because mm-hmm. he thinks all the other like with a that a lie would disturb and and destroy even the social bond mm-hmm. but i think he's wrong about that because i think is and i think this is what the reagan example shows that the social bond is actually founded on some fundamental lie and so when reagan or trump they repeat that a certain lie it it then is part of the that that cements the bond it doesn't it doesn't break yeah. like Kant's idea would be that would break the bond, but it no, it cements the bond. Yeah, so I, mean, I if, think if, that's if, crucial. Yeah. No, oh no, I think that I think you're. I just wanted to. I just wanted to affirm yeah, yeah. that because if were that 
the were that the I don't, I don't want to be confusing to use the word true, but like were that the shape of things, then these lies would break. They would break the, it, right? The bond, bre- right? Yeah, they, right. exactly. They would break the pact between uh, between Trump and the supporters. Be, then people be like, "Oh, he lied about that. He did like, but that's it's, it's never happened. It didn't ha- it didn't happen with Bush or the other Bush or the Reagan. It's not gonna, it, you know, you you will not you will not fact check so hard and so quickly to to menace that position to to continue to use." Uh, Jones phrase and all that and and this and and people realize this they're like oh you know he's queuing on people they're just so entrenched in their position you can't reason with them so what solution <laughs> do people take up they try to reason harder they try to reason and harder yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. I don't it's and, funny it, it would be it funny is, if it wasn't like the fate of the world depended on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> agreed absolutely so what I mean I think what what Joan assesses uh, diagnoses treats here is that like you don't you don't you don't you don't say uh I, I guess i don't know what would be what would be an action item is that like don't don't ask uh mcconnell tucker carlson like matt gates like any, like to defend like a specific lie or answer for a specific lie but like just like i, don't, I this is one of these things that, that I, I just bothers me so much about like the uh, mainstream news coverage in the country is that like, like if, if all the time I, 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 I would put my, I put a lot of weight behind this. If every day there were new there, the, the, in the New York times, LA times, Chicago, Tribune, like wherever, like uh, Miami Herald, Boston globe, like whatever the, um, that if every day that reporters were pursuing a line of thought that was just, just said specifically, lies any lie is the connective tissue to the right and they just worked on that and not showed which ones but just said that the lies are what keep this entire is what this uh, a political movement if you can call it that subsists on it's just lies not the big lie which is what they keep talking about right like right. you know but just it's lies. It's right. it's it's deceptive. I I, I want to believe that the, that 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 would produce a different kind of outcome because I, I just think that like it, it's just you you do your opponent a favor when you ask them to answer to a specific lie, Be- right. It, right? But but you I think maybe get at the whole thing when if you just ask why like why is your your entire political position like like it can only be coherent through deception. Right. Why? Like, what do you like? And maybe wise even though is a bad thing, but, but just, yeah, like, I don't know. I like, think, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Like, I think the, I think the point is to expose the paucity of enjoyment that it produces, right? Like that to, 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 to find a way to call into question. You're right. That you're form right. of enjoyment. Although I do think you're right to say like the question you should be, I mean, maybe you can't answer, ask the people directly cause they would just equivocate. Mm-hmm. But is to say, like, why is the lie necessary? Like, that's the analysis. You have to move to it from done. the territory. Well, I think. I think what I proposed in just like the last couple of minutes, like, what, like what I'm trying to get at is that, like, you have to move. And this is what Joan is, is gets at here is like you have to move off the terrain of logic, because you're just, uh, you're just having like 
it's a thing that the right does all the time. It's like, oh, well, you you think that, but I think this. Like, it's all equal, you know? It's just like, it's just like this is one lot. Like, and if you don't move it off of that terrain, then you just get stuck in this same, you know, circle uh, of, uh, of, of, the, of, of status quo political uh, uh, disagreement where the coordinates always stay the same. And, you know, who wins? The right. They keep winning because it's just it, because it, the, the, what hasn't been attacked is the love for Reagan why, why do people love Reagan? Because people love Reagan. Right. Like, right. like that tautology. Why do people love Trump? Because they love Trump. Like that tautology has not been like interrogated, not at the level of logic, but at the, really at the level of love. Right. Um, at their level and, of love. I think that's exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Like understand the love relation and then mm-hmm. you might start to understand what's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think your point, it's such a good point because the love depends upon the failure, right? Like, I, I mean, this yeah. is what, and I think this is the thing that's consistent throughout this entire book that she looks at a symbolic structure like democracy, whatever, and she sees the way in which it, its, its operation depends upon this hitch mm-hmm. within it. And, and, and for mm-hmm. her, Reagan is the name of this hitch in the 1980s, and today the name would be Trump, right? Like that hitch. Yeah actually is a product of the democratic system itself, right? So mm-hmm. even though I did say Joan is a Democrat, small d, I think in a way this chapter is showing like, look, you want democracy? This is, this is part of what you get, right? Yeah. Like you get this, this kind of structure emerging from it because of this internal hitch or internal gap misfire, whatever you want to call it, that, that always is within the very operation of the thing itself. And I think that, to me, that's the line that goes right through the entire book, that it's the mm-hmm. failure within the structure that's essential to the operation of the structure, but also the point at which we can undermine the structure. So in a way, like, the very thing that makes Reagan or Trump so powerful is also the thing, is also the point of an opening for an emancipatory politics. Yeah, yeah. And it has... and. And that has to be uh, attacked, approached, uh, right? Exact at, at, at in in precisely the right way because it, it cannot be like look at all the falsity. That's our whole because it just it uh it enlarges the 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 that position. You th- you th- you think you're diminishing. You think that you're 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 sullying the the, the reputation. You you know you think you're you're doing I don't know some kind of like reparative work but i mean the the point is that like it, it, it w- like like it's almost like like um you I, I think i think people in a certain sense do see that the the um all the all the all the failures all the problems are like intrinsic to the appeal but it's the the way that it gets attacked is 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 wrong. It gets it's it it becomes a, a whack a mole of particular infelicities to use a Joan word rather than at rather than like like looking at how that supports and creates that enlarged position symbolically at all. Because because let's just be to be clear, like the the people attacking that figure don't want that figure undermined. They want that figure mm-hmm. sustained. Trump even said it, like, the worst thing for you would be if I didn't get reelected. 
and he wasn't wrong. Like, if you look at CNN and, and MSNBC's ratings post-Trump, it's, so, it's, a, it's yeah. a nightmare, right? Well, they don't and, know what to do. And even politically, like, the it's... it's I, I, we said this before that like it's really convenient uh, for to ha- for there to be a president that calls the uh, the New York Times like this like radical left wing media when they're not and but if that continues to be the th- that if that's the thing from the right well then they get to have the you know they then that's their position their position is like radical left so they get to have that position and also not do any of that work ever. right but also you get people subscribing to the New York Times and they think they're performing some kind of yeah. defense of freedom or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's De- funny. Democracy dies in darkness, right? Yeah, Washington it's Post, funny, you know, funny. Yeah. That's funny. It's owned by Jeff Bezos. It's funny, <laughs> right? It's like, if yeah. like you, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. I, it's, it is all, it's so great, too, when the, it looks like, um, what is it? It looks like Adams is going to win the, the mayor race. In, yeah. In, in New York. And it's just like, you can see, like, you can just. We're recording this before it's released, by the way, because you th- will know who won the oh, mayor's release. That's true. Me. But I feel like I might make it happen because I said in the other episode we're releasing at the same time about Kemba Walker needing to be. And then he's traded the next he's day. He's traded. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, you know, so I should. Yeah, no, I'll do that. It'll certify the victory uh, for, for, for Adam. But like you can see in the in the in their coverage, like they don't know how to. Can they use the word? Can they say progressive insurgent anymore? Because they used insurgent that was about January sixth. Right. So like, like right. so, it, it's a change to the so, and they I, they kind of just don't even know the words <laughs> to, to use about someone who's more left of Hillary Clinton or, or or Cuomo. Like they don't even really know how to. Although talk he's about not it. really a leftist. I no, he's not. Of course, that's well, that's that's what's that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And anyway. So um. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so like it, when you get, I mean, this will become. Uh, I think this will become a point of uh, locked room, lonely room, uh, and 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 it uh, certainly also in sex and the euthanasia of reason is that like, and the things something that we say like all the time is that like when you, if you are mired in in the particular, you you will sustain that situation. Right. Right. Like, like, like that. Right. Just absolutely. Right. Like you will not change the situation that creates those particulars that allegedly you are so, you know, uh, offended by. I, right. I, I right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to turn to the anxiety if you, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, because we're gonna I, yeah, 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 we're going to go backwards. So I think I guess what really stands out to me about this and this again is like it's picking up on this same idea. And, and you might even say that it's getting developed more in the chapter on the fa- on the Reagan and the father. That mm-hmm. that it's the failure that is that there's fecundity in the failure, right? Like that the and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this discussion. My favorite part of this chapter is this discussion of of Frankenstein and how oh, he yeah. creates the monster only through his failure to create the monster. That that the monster doesn't emerge out of his successful invention, but only when his invention he gives it up as a failure. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that that's to me that's the great insight of the book and really, you know, this chapter is about that, but I don't know. I think that is the thing that holds this whole thing, the whole book together. Yeah. I, I, I I agree. I think it's because what she's doing, I mean, this, this to, to go, to go back like uh, at at a wide, wide lens a little bit is 
as we talked about in the Sublime Object episode, what the discussion of Lacan at this time, uh, especially related to, to media, uh, uh, film most specifically, um, the idea is to look at the imaginary and the symbolic, but really more imaginary. And I mean, I think that like Christian Metz is pretty big in this, right? you know, with right. the imaginary signifier, like in film theory, like, so, um, what she does in almost all of these chapters is to show how the real is this limit, this, I mean, this, and this becomes the point of locker room, lonely room, but uh, like the real ends up being this, this limit that creates the symbolic space. Nonetheless, this thing, this, this element that cannot be included within it, but nonetheless is, it creates the uh, like the symbolic position. And I think that's a little bit, the Frankenstein thing. It's like the, the success is not possible. Like, like, but the monster that he creates is through his failure to create the monster that he wanted to create. Like, like that, like, and and I would almost say like, to go back to our, our first thing, like it's a little, I think that that point, you know, she's avowedly uh, Kantian. I think it's a little Hegelian, right? Like, I think so. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that failure is, is a success. Like, like it's, in fact, it's the, like, it's the, it's the only way that, that, that the symbolic, like, it's the only way the symbolic could be created is through that kind of, that kind of failure. Because otherwise, like, I mean, otherwise, what's the, what's the alternative is that there's actually no problem. Is there like, if, like, if he could just create a person like, and it's fine, then where's the, where's the juice, Todd? Where's the, right, 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 right. I mean, it is interesting that, that she's there is this kind of hegelian dimension to some of these earlier chapters that then is mm-hmm. totally departed from at the end, at the yeah, end yeah, right yeah. right and i i think she would say that she is kantian not hegelian i mean i mean she mm-hmm. I, she said that to me basically so mm-hmm. so which is interesting that she and slavoy can be such i mean they're the closest of friends and mm-hmm. and he's like a decidedly Hegelian against Kant, but I, but you know, okay, friends can have little points of disagreement, I guess. But um, but I, I mean, I think that the the what's incredible about this chapter too is the way that she links breastfeeding and the mm. sucking on the breast to the vampires. I mean, these things that we wouldn't link, right? The vampires mm. sucking of the blood, and mm-hmm. she thinks that vampirism is a response to the anxiety created by the breast that doesn't feed the child, right? Like that, 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 that yeah. the breast that's dried up, she even says, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, she's so great on anxiety. Like, I think if, uh, reading pages one, pages 118 to 119 of this, uh, of this book are, um, about, like, it's, it's about as clear and, uh, and substantial a, a description and engagement with, uh, Lacan and Freud on and Freud, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And what's, I mean, this is such a, I would say, especially at the time, this was, this was a service because the um, anxiety seminar would not be in French, I, mean, I think. Right. I mean, yeah, not, it wasn't even in English until like five years ago. Right. Um, I'm not sure me. that it was published in, in fact, I'm positive it wasn't yet published even in French. Yeah. So she had only, she had just had access to the transcript. It's fantastic too. And she shows the differences uh, between Freud and Lacan on, anxiety and it's like i said like on, on 118 that uh 
for he's got for Freud has two two theories ends up uh, that, we're right it changes in the when he publishes inhibition symptoms and anxiety yeah in that like right. it, it, the first theory is the uh, repression precedes anxiety right and the second one is that anxiety precedes repression and uh, that it's a the la- the last definition is that it, uh, it, it it's a signal of danger which is something that um, it's, it's really really funny like I, I sometimes see this um, on like online, like, uh, like, uh, like, like a, a, a scientific paper will get posted to Reddit and it'll be like, you know, anxiety is actually a, a like a, resp- a proper response to environment. Like this environment, this, right, this right, right, um, right. evolutionary right. psychologist take right. is like, it, it says that. And I, I just think it's really interesting. Like this, what it's a, something that Freud came to, uh, that, that idea. And so, but Lacan comes and he changes this to uh to it to an affect and right. it's a, one that doesn't lie the only aff- well the only affect that doesn't lie Ex- yeah, i think yeah. he says yeah. I th- yeah 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 the way she phrases it uh a special affect as such it cannot be doubted right, right um right. and a kind of a i don't know it amounts to like a um anxiety one of these things that like uh you say you say you have anxiety like and and i, I think there's always this suspicion, especially institutionally, that like hmm, you're maybe kind of making it up, like it's maybe you're maybe you could do the thing that you say you can't do, um, right? And right. I, like like I need to see like I like I I think uh, I think college students in general are asked for way too much documentation to prove <laughs> like a like base level uncomfortability uh, and and a uh, need of accommodation in so many different situations. But like, so that like that's in the college world, uh, uh, administratively speaking, but it's obviously in, in business and in, in all kinds of different spaces. And psychoanalysis takes anxiety more seriously almost than anything else. Right. Like this. It's right. Like an aff- right. I think that's which right. cannot be doubted. Right. And, um, although and so don't, don't you think in, what's in, interesting in, is oh, that, yeah, that it's a, it changes the very idea or Lacan at least changes the very definition of what anxiety is because he brings it into signification. Well, no, because he, because he, like, I think Freud is saying the like anxiety is without an object. Fear has an object. That's what Freud says. Yeah, for, yeah. Fear has an object. Anxiety is without an object. Right. Yes, yeah. And 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 you know, Heidegger famously says we feel anxiety when we're held out into the nothing, mm-hmm. or that generates anxiety. And 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 Lacan is saying no, anxiety is not without an object. Right. It's the mm-hmm. the objet. Ah, it's the right. it's this right. it's this encounter with the object of lack. So. Mm. So I think that that's what's don't you think that's really interesting that he's he's shifting the very way that we understand the concept. Yeah, yeah. I Do you buy like the, that shift or do you think Well, I think it's the isn't it the um uh it's I think Slavoj says this in a number of different places. Like to me it's the the shift from uh um the, it's the shift from uh, the like the orthodox way of reading Kafka to, yeah, uh, to yeah, the way yeah, that he yeah. reads Kafka, which is that yeah. like oh oh what what is what is uh, troublesome and, pr- and problematic for for Kafka's characters and for Kafka himself? It's it's like it's the 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 the, the loss of of God, the lack the lack of God, like the like there's no like kind of like ruling authority. It's all like it 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 it, it um uh, pr- pr- uh, 
anticipates postmodernism because everything is random and and, right. and, and there, there's no there's no mooring any longer. Right. That's the kind of the orthodox the take. standard reading. Right. That's the standard reading. And then on the other, it's it's like actually no, it's the over proximity of those things. The 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 law the law is everywhere it, and it's big L and it is it is d- determinative in in a way that God could never be. Right. Uh, like in in the in the in the Bible, uh, like it's 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 a, a like a almost like a it's a perfect system, and it's pornographic, uh, right? Like that he yeah. looks in the law books and they're it's full of pornographic pictures. I mean, that's <laughs> the right, right. That's right. the and thing I, th- I think, right? Like that, yeah. that there is this this which is again part of this over proximity mm-hmm. of the law, yeah. which I think that's right. I think that that is the you know that that that. That that is, it's funny because when I was younger, I, I, I prefer, was just, just really quickly. I think I prefer yeah. over proximity. I know it's the same thing, but I think I prefer over proximity to lack of lack because it's just like lack of lack is a little. It's yeah, it doesn't really. I think it's confusing. I I agree. Yeah. I like over proximity, yeah. and she actually uses over uses, proximity. Yeah, yeah. Later, um, but I, I wonder if, I I mean when I when I, when I read Heidegger, I was like. This makes a lot of sense for understanding, mm-hmm. like, just my own, and who cares about this, but just my own, like, what I felt was anxiety. I always felt like it was this experience of nothing. And, and Heidegger says, when someone says to you they have a, they, they're feeling off and you ask them, what is it? And they say, it's just, it's nothing. He's like, mm-hmm. they're actually being honest with you. You know, they're really, mm-hmm. they're actually mm-hmm. revealing this and and I always found that really really convincing and 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 you know I I like I follow Lacan on this anxiety idea although I should say that that his the, the French term is angoisse right and, right right and and there is an actual French word anxiété right like mm. like like there it's like a literal it's like the almost the exact same letters of anxiety and so in in Sartre and I find this very interesting angoisse is 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 interpreted uh, translated as anguish. Angst. So oh, anguish, there, yeah, right. there could be there could be a whole. No, the, I mean the German word angst is really anxiety and anxiety, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the, I think that and then but but so I wonder, like well, that's Colette Solaire's position in the Lacanian affects that that it's, that it's, anguish. it's anguish. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I know. So so there is this. I mean, I don't know. That might be another way that makes it seem. That that would, although then you lose the way in which because Freud is using the word angst, which I think is anxiety. Yeah, and then you lose this distinction between anxiety and fear that Freud's make. You know, like so. I mm-hmm. think I think that the making it just into anguish kind of it's it's nice, but it doesn't. Isn't it one of those kind of? It feels like a little bit of a cop out. Like it it yeah. because it's so clear. Lacan is responding to what Freud has said. Yeah, I mean, he says it directly. Like, says it directly, and Freud is yeah. using the word angst, and you cannot translate angst by angoisse, right? Like, so, right, so, right, right. so that, or I mean, you can, what I mean is you can't translate angst by anguish. So, mm-hmm. whereas you can translate angoisse by anguish. I'm sorry, I got a little confused, but, um, <laughs> sorry. but, but, but my point is just, I, I want, I, it just seems a little counterintuitive. I wonder what you think of that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it. I think it m- makes for well, well. For one, I think his uh, like you, it. Ha- it ha- I just think it has to be uh, the connect the connection the clear connection in seminar ten to uh, like 
you know, what is it? Inhibitions, uh, symptoms, and anxiety. Right, right. Yeah, right. like it's just that's there. Like it, it, it. I think it has to be at the level of anxiety. If there, if you say, if look, I just think if Lacan, if if what if what you're saying is Lacan is talking about a different word or he's talking about something else, then I, I don't see the. Then I, I actually think you you, know, you end up making a particular kind of argument that like right right, it, it, right. that's or, what I think yeah yeah it ends up being like a, a nominalist sort of thing which I don't yeah. I, I don't think holds in reading that seminar or really any of Lacan uh, right right I would say. agreed um, agreed yeah agreed. yeah so so I think it has so it has to be I think it has it has to be anxiety I I, I think or, or understood otherwise he's talking about a cross concept and I just he just doesn't do that he never like, does that like, right no, right he's always it, it, picking up what Freud has talked about right yeah, like he, he yeah. always even when he's redefining the concept like in this case yeah yeah he still yeah. is picking well, up what Freud has done it turns him into Derrida it's like oh well he says this but I'm gonna say this which right, it's right. kind of like that but then it's also not like that and I, and I don't think that's that's kind of that's just not what he's doing yeah and but but uh, the um yeah. So the um, yeah. So the the and the idea like this this uh, so like because Joan does two things like she she makes sure to 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 show that like this anxiety is uh, it, I I really really nicely uses over proximity like, yeah. like translates lack of lack into over proximity and that this over proximity uh, is prior it's 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 prior to 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 to, to anything like. Uh, I mean, she says this like uh, on 118. If its cause, anxiety, uh, being the it, if its cause cannot be determined, that is because it is the most primitive of phenomena. It is that which precedes. Uh, it is that wh- which nothing precedes. Right. And and that I think is also a nice, perhaps a nice nod to Heidegger, right? Like nothing. Yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. The, no- yeah. the nothing being substantial. The nothing being overproximate. Right. I think that that's a fascinating thing that that. You could even there's a way to I think marry Lacan's doctrine and Heidegger's right right in yeah. just in what you said right like that the the nothing actually the the over proximity of the nothing actually is the over proximity of the objet mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. because it is the object of nothing yes yeah I yeah. think that that makes a lot of sense to me and I think that yeah. works as a way to understand the concept and to understand this chapter and I love what she's doing here because. What she's seeing again is this way in which the the hiccup of anxiety is really the the way in which the, the is the is is created by the structure itself, right? Like mm-hmm. that's I think that that's what she's she's and seeing then, that yeah. Go ahead. Well, then it makes sense because well then that like so we we went in, in not the proper order because I wanted to start with the with the Reagan thing because I just think it's like <laughs> it's like timely. explosive timely yeah, yes, timely yes. but but you you see that in that in, in the prior in the previous chapter like uh she's talking about like um not like not not subject position but like s- symbolic like position and the like like and in in the the how like symbolic space is 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 created and then and like she wants to be really really clear when we talk about the subject when we we do not do it in a in a nominalist way as though it's like it's as though as they're, they're they're disconnected from this the, like like a like a like a symbolic field and that leads into the Reagan chapter and right, and and, right. and and showing that position that he occupies within the the symbolic is that like 
you know, like you think you're taking down the president, but you're making nominalist arguments that do nothing to pierce the like symbolic status uh, of of the president himself. Nor do you understand how he even got that pos- that position in the first place. And so it seems like a little bit like that maybe anxiety, like talking about anxiety doesn't have anything to do with that. But like, if you understand its structural function and, and you, you understand how uh, like this over proximity is prior to like any, like to, to anything else. And then you have uh, like a conscious symbolic experience with, with anxiety, then you can see that like, uh, it's the, the it, it just it's the same thing for for Reagan is that the love of Reagan precedes anything that Reagan does. Right. And if you right, engage right. with what Reagan does, but not the love, you're again you're not menacing the position. So like, yeah, it's I, interesting. I, I, Don't you yeah. think it's interesting? The whole entire leftist critique of the right has functions in this way. Like yeah. d- even from the extreme left, like from the left that we would associate ourselves with, I think like the idea is like, don't those people see that they're not getting what they, that the, that the far right isn't giving them what they is in their interest or what they need. Right. Like mm-hmm. that, that I think that's a constant critique leveled by the extreme left. You know, this, this, this notion that like they're the, the interests of say the white working class is being betrayed by the, these figures that they're invested in. Why well, do they know, love them? I, yeah. I, you know what it is? I, I think it's, for one, I think partially is that like, I mean, that's, I think that the, 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 the right has done nothing so phenomenally well than to limit the imagination of the left. And they are so successful at making uh, people on the left villains, like for their own supporters. Right. 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 Like they're, they're so successful at that, that I, I think the, it, it, it makes like ma- mainstream like pundits on the left go like, oh, well, no, but actually you're the real villain. <laughs> right. And then yeah. and you know what? Like that can be correct. But also you are just you you're stepping in. You're stepping into the symbolic uh, space created by your opponent. And you cannot hope to win if you have not menaced the position. I'm going to keep saying it because I, I, I think it's just like I think it's, it's such a great phrase. And, and, and it, and it gets at, I just, I just think it gets at so much. Like if you, if you're not menacing the position that you're, that you're, you're stepping into, you're, you're losing. I even heard, I heard, I think I've said this on the podcast before that, um, I, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget who this was, but I was, uh, uh, Joan had a lot of, had a number of different uh, speakers come to, to a round table. Rebecca Comey was there who I could not even introduce myself to. I was like, you're too nervous. I was, I was, I, yeah, it was, and I, I know I came up with like an idiot because I, because Aaron Schuster and Frank Ruda were there and I had met Aaron before. So I was just talking to them and I think it just, I'm positive it came off very sexist, but like, I, I just like, I couldn't even like, right. right. I, I just, I, I couldn't even introduce myself. So anyway, so she was there, but, and there was also, I, Leo Bersani was there. That's who this was. Okay. And Leo Bersani was sat next to me at this table. Um, and he, I can't remember if he was talking about things that he, uh, that he experienced or he was, or, uh, or, or he was talking about like another philosopher, but, but like he said he couldn't understand why, um, he would get into arguments with people and he would lose when he knew that he was like, he was right. And that they, (laughs) and because that's, that's, those are two separate things. Like being right Right. 
Right. And is but my I um like I don't I don't know how much my my family listens to this, but I'll just say this about my uncle Tony. I've seen my uncle Tony get in a million arguments over my lifetime. And I don't, and I will say this, he had, I don't think he's ever been right, but he has always won. He always just, wins. Yeah. That's always good. wins. It's just yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So, and Leo Bersani was talking about this very phenomena. How, 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 do, how do I keep finding myself in this position where I, I know, I know that what I'm like, what I'm saying is correct. This person is, fa- is factually wrong, but they've won the argument. Yeah. And what he said is that like, they, because what you do is you take up the position that they put you in. Right, right. And right. that's how you and that's how you lose. And that's and that's the thing that's the thing that my uncle Tony does. <laughs> is yeah. he puts people in a position and they don't and it's happened very quickly and they don't and they don't realize that they're in. They it. don't realize then, it's happened, right. And then and right. then and my aunt Patty uh, gets very upset because that's right. that's the dynamic and that's what ends up yeah. that's what ends up happening. Yeah. But but that's but that's exactly it. Is is um so and I think that's what she gets at in the um in the the hysteria and democracy chapter is that like it, it um and I and I think uh, even like there there are roots of it in the in the prior chapter on anxiety is that is is just that you know, if you, if if you you can think like you can totally think you're doing a good job if you go deeper into an argument and you and you find the specific little problems like you think you can win, but you're just like all you're doing is making more solid this shitty position that another person put you in. Right, and I think that, I think her isn't her response to that, which is I think a really interesting one because I don't think people think this today, even psychoanalytically so much, is to read their desire. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I think that is a really, I, you know, that, of course, that's the title of the book, but yeah. I think that that's her political strategy as well, like to try to read the desire mm-hmm. of the people involved and then respond and interpret that. I think that yeah. really is her, I mean, that, that, just to segue into the Lost Room, Lonely Room chapter, which I have to say is my, obviously I think the first and last are the great Alpha achievements. Yes. Yeah, yes. They, they are. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I like the, what would it be? The C, the whatever, if we're going to use a Greek uh, word. Uh, yeah, right, no, they're right. not, there's not 23 or 4 chapters. But, um, but I, Epsilon, I think. Epsilon, I don't know. Epsilon, whatever. Um, yeah. uh, but I, I do think that, that, that chapter, just for pure enjoyment, I really love it. And and what I what I love about it is that I think it provides one of the great theories of film noir as a phenomenon that then mm-hmm. makes also mm-hmm. a, a, a larger socio historical political claim. And I, I so I think it really does so much. And I, I think you're what you're you're getting to like the like this this way that she has of trying to interpret the desire that's at work in film noir is I think most people that approach film noir don't do that. And so I think that that really, to me, that success of the chapter really stems from that. There, there are some incredible things she does in there. Like this, is, like this could be a whole article, but she's, um, she's frying bigger fish. But she says, um, she uses the phrase noir hero and detective. Yeah. As two separate things. Right. And, and that like, like I've taught a class on, on film noir. I'm going to teach intro to film in the fall and I'm going to do it uh, on like half noir, half screwball comedy. And, and so I've taught a lot of the, like, um, this is just a lot of writing obviously in film noir. And a lot of the time, the 
position of the d- detective and the the noir protagonist they get collapsed. So like even so like um like Walter Neff in Double Indemnity, like I, I know that I've read articles where like he's just like, you know, he takes up the position of a detective. Detective, right, right. And I think there's an argument that that is true, but I think um, Joan is more correct to say noir hero and not and not not make Neff the detective. And she can't make him the detective because in for that particular film, for uh, uh, for Double Indemnity, she's uh, adamant that the the detective is Burton Keyes. Burton Keyes, um, right? Is right, uh, Edward right. G. Robinson's character. Right. So so that so so that's a, a nice like uh, it's a that's a subtle thing that that comes up in that chapter that you know. Uh, it's just like has a, such a substantial like reading like behind it like like for 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 why for why she did that and the what she ends up doing I, I think that her um, her reading a double indemnity ends up being that like uh, like uh, Burton Keys uh, the great Edward G Robinson performance right yeah the, great performance um, yeah uh, his failing is that he's he become he becomes a nominalist right. and I. And I and I think because uh, of like, it's it's just it's so nice how she teases this out that like how he, the 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 um, the manager or like the person who's above keys at the uh, insurance the, company at the insurance company yeah <laughs> he won't pay out the Dietrichson claim because the guy he thinks the guy committed uh, committed suicide, suicide right to give his wife um, um, the insurance money in in a which. Uh, is really funny. Like um, he must have read Death of a Salesman to have come <laughs> to that conclusion. Death of a Salesman, of course, written later. But um, uh, but th- the way that Keys pushes back on that idea is just there he doesn't has never know statistics, right? He doesn't know statistics, and not just he doesn't know statistics. There's never been a recorded in- uh, instance of suicide by jumping off the back of a train, a slow moving train, a slow moving train. Right. It's never happened, and so because it never happened. It couldn't have happened. That's right. that ends up being his like devastating argument that that wins. But and Joan thinks that's an error. No, exactly. That's exactly right. Right. That's right, exa- right, be, right. It's be, he. It's a nominalist error. That's that's the mistake that he makes. And just again to go back to the thing we be, that we began with that like she has been building that point from the right. prior two chapters, right? Um, and and and. Uh, which is which is fantastic. It's like, yeah, it's an, I think it's amazing, really. I think you're right. Like to the way she starts the this locked room only room with the actuarial table is just mm-hmm, and statistics, mm-hmm. right? Like that statistics on the one hand, like allow us to understand where what people are going to do, right? But mm-hmm. but they're blind. Statistical analysis is blind to the eruption of subjectivity or yeah. the eruption of desire, right? I mean, that's the, yeah. I mean, it's again, this question of like reading the desire because that's what Keyes can't read. And what's interesting is, so there's this blindness on the part of Keyes and statistics, right? Mm-hmm. That then there's this corresponding or opposed blindness on the part of the noir hero Walter Neff, right? Like I, I which I thought, I, I mean, the way that she, constructs the chapter so we start with Key's blindness and we basically end with the blindness of Neff I think it's just incredible and so it's it, and and then and then she wants to make an argument about a historical movement I think in in the chapter through that that, that yeah. what Neff can't see remember what gives him away is that 
he gets this this uh, injury. Sells doesn't sell him because he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. But Dietrichson, uh, a policy, a, a health. I think I guess it's a health and life policy, right? And then, right. and right. then Dietrichson breaks his leg, mm-hmm. and he never Neff doesn't think to file a claim. Yeah. And and, yep. and Jones' point is he doesn't think to use the law to cover himself up. So he contra- she contrasts this, I think, mm-hmm. with 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 the with purloined letter, right? Where yeah. where where Dupin can can hide the letter in and, and the minister can hide the letter in plain sight, right? Like that's that's what Neff doesn't think about doing because he's so ensconced in this world of privacy. And that's the real, yeah. I mean, that's the yep. evolution she's, she's talking about, right? The movement into noir is this movement into, from public into private. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's such a great, uh, it's such a great chapter. And I, I feel compelled to mention that it's, uh, used in, uh, the first uh, chapter of uh, the edited collection post theory, which we talk about every once in a while, um, uh, Dave, David Boardwell uh, mounts what it just is a, it's a tendentious, it's a deliberately um, obtuse reading of, of Joan to dismiss all of psychoanalysis and, uh, why he doesn't if, talk about the orthopsychic subject is a whole other <laughs> question. Well, right? yeah, I mean, like, this is. Can I read a little bit from? Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. It's yeah, gonna make yeah. you know. I just. It's gonna I, make I just, us. It's gonna hurt my stomach. But I, I know, I know, yeah, I know. All right, okay. Yeah. So this is uh, from. Okay, so just a little bit of a little little quick little backstory. I mean, we've talked about it before, but you know, it could be somebody's first episode as as a thing, or maybe it's been a while since you've heard us talk about this. But what um, happens it. In uh, 1996, uh, the so um, this collection, I think, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to give the collection outsized importance. It 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 rides the crest of a wave like that was t- kind of already turning away from psychoanalytic film theory, right, um, right, right. or or the or the crest of a nave to reference a universally reviled album by Jethro Tull. <laughs> um, the uh, the problem that Boardwell finds, it, what he he puts psychoanalysis in uh, a bad position, like, and this is smart on his in his point. He calls it grand theory, grand theory, which is a phrase that he comes up with. Right, um, it's it didn't not, stick not, really. No, it, no, it, it really didn't stick. It really didn't stick. But he does this because he wants to show that in film theory that there has been this, I just think this is so funny. Like it's this feminist Marxist, uh, psychoanalytic thing has taken hold to become grand theory. And his whole point is going to be, he wants middle level nominalist film theory. And it's so funny as a committed and avowed nominalist that these three things, Marxism, feminism, psychoanalysis, which are three separate things, but do have overlap. These three separate things are not separate things. They're actually the same thing. Um, but nominal, but they, they don't get included in the nominalist thing. It's a little, it's a little interesting. Uh, it's not interesting. It's tendentious. Uh, but so he, um, he and, um, Noel Carroll, the first two chapters, they both have a line that's very similar, uh, where they, where they have something like this. Since analyzing the flow of an argument takes a little time, I summon only one illustrative example. So, or another way of saying like, uh, (laughs) I'm going to dismiss all of psychoanalysis 
And look, it's that would take too much time. So I'm just going to use one example. Like, right. forgive me. Right. So here's a paragraph. I'm not going to read every. There's like he he deals. I mean, this it's a long essay by Jonah. It's complicated. It does a lot of things, and I, he devotes I think like three three or four paragraphs to it. Yeah. Um, and so he goes this. Joan Kopchak begins an essay on double indemnity by asserting there is something unsatisfying about the insurance inve- investigator Keyes's invocation of actuarial statistics and explaining why he doubts the death of Dietrichson was a suicide. The spectator who does not find Keyes's intuition problematic will block Kopchak's argument at the start, but let's assume that others share her unease. Okay, so what Boardwell's done? I mean, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't even need to go any further. I'll, I'll read from Joan and he makes it sound like she's making an evaluative claim on right. double indemnity as a film that the conclusive remark in in what is kind of the the uh, the, the the climax of the film is unsatisfying as a climax that's not what she's saying this is like i mean i'll like i'll read it uh, cuz i think I, I have it in front of me um so uh, okay um, as we talked about, like he, you know, this is uh, this is a little bit by, um, uh, the, or no, I'm not gonna get into that. What what Burton Keys, how he how he proves his case is, is is through statistics, okay? And then appearing in what is arguably the climactic scene of the film, that uh, uh, this speech by Keys is presented as decisive, but all the rhetorical force and narrative consequence of this argument should not prevent us from observing that there is nevertheless something unsatisfying about it. How is it that an appeal to statistics can come to be taken as a devastating argument? What power can issue from a recourse to mathematical probability? Every investigation begins when we cease to be able to take something for granted. Mine begins here with the scene and with this question. What in the final analysis do numbers have to do with detection? And what she means very clearly by the word unsatisfying is having, again, not having to do with whether it's a good film or not, like I don't right. like like that's like not in here at all. It's that it's like th- logically there's a th- there's something missing, right? That like right. that that because and and Boardwall like and she like uh, he like chalks it up to different spectator reactions. Yes, I mean, it's, it's kind of exa- crazy. It's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and 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 he so he he like i say like he's obviously he's obviously a smart per- so this is this is the, the the thing that you get your, that you get yourself into is he's obviously a smart person and so why is he doing like a bad reading he's being deliberately obtuse i have to i just or like i mean or he did or he didn't understand it but then like i i don't i don't understand like cuz her whole point is just that the what keys does is to say the thing that this other guy is saying couldn't have happened because it hasn't had happened. Right. Cause there's no statistic for it. It's not a category of a thing that could exist, which is a, a, just a really, really nice reading of the film. Boardwell makes it out to be this like evaluative thing. And, and to show that like, and he, and he kind of has, he kind of hystericizes like her, her argument that like, um, the, what is it? What is this? He said like, Kopchak finds the answer in the origins of, of detective fiction. Why the relation of statistics to argument or numbers to detection can best be discovered through a search for origins is not explained. Kopchak proposes linking detective fiction to the advent of rationalism. This is a very elastic link since Kopchak identifies rationalism with Descartes, who died in 1650, and most historians date the modern detective story from 1940. Like, 
she explains all of this in the chapter, and 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 he's being like deliberately obtuse right, about this. It's right, like, look, right, look right. at all these connections. Like we like, oh, they're just they. Fl- it just like what the grand theory does is it flattens all these things, and it's like, oh, how can you deal with? Them? And uh, anyway, so I find it personally upsetting. So I thank you for <laughs> thank you all for listening to me as I, I uh, little little bit little bit indulgent on this, but like that like that this is a um, it's it, like that's that's a non engagement. <laughs> with what Joan is saying. Right, you know, like, like, right. I mean, I, I, yeah. what she says about keys is such a... And, and I, I think what she's also saying is part of the dynamic of the film itself is that he's blind to what... And he even says it, right? So so it's not a crazy couldn't reading. Couldn't see what was in front of his face. He couldn't see what was right in front of his face, exactly. Closer, that, closer than that. Yeah, right. right? That's right. right. That's right. It's just such That's a great right. line. Right, it's a great line. And and I think what he couldn't see is the way in which something can happen that doesn't that doesn't fit within the statistical rubric, exactly. right? Or that that yes. or that miracles occur, right? Like that that yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. and that, that I think that that or to use the other example from this, she uses a couple examples. So she talks about Hitchcock's this scene he wanted to film in North by Northwest where you get you see a car being put together down an assembly mm-hmm. line and you see everything being put together and then they open the door at the end and a dead body comes out. Mm-hmm. And the point is there's no way that body could have got in there and yet it was in there. And this and yeah. so this is also she talks about the locked room paradox, right? Where you have a locked room where nothing can get in and yet something gets something happens that couldn't otherwise occur within the the confines of that space and her point is that the 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 it's not that something has been smuggled in it's mm-hmm. that there's a that the that the space itself is contradictory right that that, that mm-hmm. there's a mm-hmm. there's a split within the structure itself that allows something unexpected or new to emerge which is subjectivity and its desire so that's i think that's her point is that keys is blind to desire and that the noir hero really is actually is this figure of desire and yeah so how can how could he see it he can't, can't that's it? why he yeah. can't mm-hmm. see it right but then yeah. but then the, that's what i like is this obverse of it that the noir hero can't whereas keys can see the way in which one could cover one's crime by hiding in plain sight the noir hero who is attentive to desire can't see that as a possibility yeah. so you know she loves that scene in Jerry's market where they're trying to disguise themselves and they can't like they they're, they're wearing these sunglasses and they and they but they they're not disguised at all because they're so stuck in their private realm that mm-hmm. they can never they can never you know, appear in as like it's it's the public realm that allows us to wear a disguise. And if you're just ensconced in privacy, you can never hide. Mm. Which I is into, it's a, it's an interesting contradiction, right? Like you mm-hmm. you go into privacy to hide from the public, yet insisting on privacy makes it impossible to hide. Yeah, right. Like yeah. that's the logic yeah. of the gated community. I think like you you go into a gated community to to, to retreat from. The world, but that mean, makes it impossible. You know, you're constantly obsessed with somebody getting in. Like you can't, like it's the failure of the retreat. Whereas if you live with your doors unlocked and whatever, then you never have to worry about anybody getting in because there's nothing to get in to get to. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, the the um like the it's it's kind of an an, an advertisement. It's that, that that's how, that's I think the thing is that like like you like on the like you, you when if you. When you advertise yourself, when you when you make yourself when you make yourself a mark, when you wear, uh, when you uh, 
are a, a giraffe in dark glasses trying to get into a polar bears only <laughs> golf club to steal a, a, a line from Blackadder. Like you just you're just calling attention to yourself. Right. Like you and and that, but that precise, uh, logically speaking, like what 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 she's what she's getting at is is that that I that I think is is really nice with the film is that the. Uh, ne- like this misalignment between what Keys does and what Neff is expecting. Like Neff is expecting to get caught as a subject, and right. but what Keys, what, you, you think what is how was afraid? You think you're you're hot? You're so hot on a phony claim. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's it. Like he is hot on a phony claim. He's not he's not catching a person. He's like he's catching he's catching a claim. So it's like so like it's it's just really really nice. I'm even just recapitulating what you just said, but like that, um, key, keys keys can can see the, the the structure of a claim, but he can, cannot see the person. He cannot right. cannot see the subject. And Neff keeps expecting to get caught as a subject, but by someone who he thinks knows him really well. But it's and it's kind of it's it's interesting that like. I think with that movie, and I think like we we can we can put this here. The lesson is watch Double Indemnity. But I think right, like right. Neff ne- keep, ne- keeps expecting to be caught as a subject, and it's almost like he wants to see if like he wants to be seen by Keys. Right, I, I, Ryan, and, it's and, such and, a great point. And he can't. He can't. But but then at the the end of the film, I think Keys shows Neff. He really does see him, but he but he sees that which escapes Neff, and Neff wanted to see that which he had within him, which was this capacity to commit this crime. Right, right. But, I think it's a great point. Like Keys only sees Neff as a symbolic identity, and yep. Neff wants to be seen as a subject. I think that's yes. absolutely. And true. then at and then at the end, it, like you you totally get the like. I think you totally get the like he he saw he could see enough what was more than enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which Neff was was not even aware of. Uh, only at, at the all. end, right? Yeah, only at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and then like the, this stuff that she says, like that the the old modern order of desire ruled over by the Oedipal father has become begun to become replaced by a new order of the drive in which we no longer have recourse to protections against jouissance. These protections have been eroded. By mm-hmm. our society's fetishization of being, that is, of jouissance, which is to say, and this is, I think, the great line: we have ceased to be a, uh, we have ceased being a society that attempts to preserve the individual right to jouissance, to become a society that commands jouissance as a civic duty. I think that is really, and then she says, "civic" is actually an inappropriate adjective because there's no longer a sense of the public, right? So, I think that that, you know, this chapter to me really. This, by the way, really informed my book, uh, "The End of Dissatisfaction." It was the, it was the, this chapter was like, <laughs> I was just every, I was just explaining that one little sentence as the whole, mm. the whole book, um, which was unnecessary. That's your, because, that's your second book. That's actually your first book because you destroyed your first book. That's right. The first doesn't okay. exist. Thank right. you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I, I don't really actually still love that one so much. So <laughs> wow. that might have to be bought up and destroyed as well. Um, so, but, but I, I'm going to have to continually do this, destroy That's them funny. I think it's well, the yeah, only... well, 
you're yeah. you know you're trying to destroy the referent, Todd. That's right. Like you you right. you have you've not you've not taken the lesson from 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 uh, hysteria and democracy. I I have you, not. You know, no, no. No. Yeah. I know. I know. That's an error. But I you know so anyway so <laughs> enough about my stupidity. Like I think <laughs> that like the you know the the way in which like when she says so here she, again once privacy ceases to be something one supposes as veiled from prying eyes and becomes instead something one visibly endures like an unending, discomfiting rain. Like, I think, mm-hmm. doesn't that perfectly capture the noir universe, right? Like, I just think that's maybe the smartest thing anybody said about what happens and what film noir is trying to depict. Yeah, it's like, I, I mean, she has this, the, 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 last, the last paragraph of this essay is just, like, incredible, too. Um, the... Like, uh, so she references Detour, which I, which is great. It's a great, um, you I, know, that film was made for $70,000. It was like, yeah, it just had, it's no funding at all. No it's, funding whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. It's, inc- that's incredible. Uh, um, you're no gentleman. See, that's my, <laughs> Um, it, so Al Roberts uh, who supplies the most revealing. So he's a, uh, the protagonist and noir right. hero in Detour. Uh, Al Roberts uh, supplies the most revealing reason for the noir protagonist's inability to deal with symbolic currency. And she makes it literal. Uh, reluctant to accept a $10 tip for his piano playing, he spits out his definition of money, a piece of paper crawling with germs. And she uses it. So like she does a really nice. So she, she has this, this line from, from Slavoj who said that the difference between the classical detective and the hard boiled noir variety is that a detective accepts money for services while the, the latter he does not. And so Joan does this really subtle thing where she goes, she take goes from literal currency and makes it symbolic currency, gives the example of the $10 bill and then goes into what happens. We've tried to argue is this, the neutral dead system of symbolic community and exchange that had supported the classical world has given way in noir to a world that crawls with private enjoyment and thus rots the old networks of communication. So taking actual currency to talk about symbolic currency and how the noir uh, hero is positioned relative to that, like cannot take, take it up is like, I think it's like really remarkable. And Detour is a great, Detour is a great example because Al Roberts, if you haven't seen Detour, that, that might be another, that might actually, yeah, we have, we have, we have two lessons today. Two watch, lessons. watch double indemnity and Detour. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, I don't, I almost don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but like, so I'll just kind of speak. It's in very short too. So that's the it's, other yes, thing. It, yeah. It's so it's under. I can tell you that it's a uh, you can you can teach. I think it's seventy minutes because you could fit I've it in taught. a seventy-five minute class. That's correct. That's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, um, I think Hugh Mannon put put it to me like that once yeah. uh, as well. Hey Hugh, uh, but the um, the what Al does is he. It seems so ridiculous and funny the first time you watch the movie, but like a, a guy. Uh, if you don't want to hear the, what happens in the film, I would say go forward about a minute. That would be my my thing from here. Um, but a guy who he's driving across the country with dies in his car, and he just assumes the person's identity like he has to. Right. And it seems like you had so many other options, but he goes through them that like no one would believe the story of what happened. So he had to do this thing. And so then what ends up happening, and then he later, as that person he is, actually commits a crime, but he commits the crime as another person. So 
he can't really be blamed for it because the identity that he stole from another person, it was that person who accidentally killed another person. So his real identity would get him out of the crime he's alleged to have committed. But because he swapped identities with another guy, his real person, who he, Al Roberts is actually dead. So right. like, and maybe that's, this, I'm sure that sounds confusing, but just the point is this. There's a French but, film. Do you know this French film, Return of Martin Gare? No, I don't know it. It's the same. It's a similar idea. A guy assumes similar. an identity that is the identity of someone who's killed someone. And then he ends up being hanged for his, oh, and, but he, he's so, he so likes the new symbolic identity that he, he, he doesn't even try to get out of it. He accepts the hanging uh, because as the kind of the price for this new identity that he prefers to have. So that's really interesting and yeah. different. If someone skipped ahead, that's different from what happens in detour. Yeah. yeah it's so, totally but different. The po- yeah, totally. But the point, but the point of, of detour is that like the, like, and this doesn't give away literally what happens in the film, but like theoretically and structurally speaking is that Al Roberts, like he destroys his, he, he's, he destroys his symbolic position right. and, and he adopts another one. And then, but then in the end is neither is neither nor he is, he's like, he's nowhere. He's no longer a part of the symbolic pact. Like he can hold no, symbolic currency either literally or you know figuratively right. and um and and the i think the way that, that like joan shows this through like through that the the chapter of locked room lonely room it's um it's i mean it's it's, it's magnificent to put a a, a, a like a uh, an evaluative word on it but it, it's also like illuminating um about what psychoanalysis shows us about the socio symbolic uh, space, right, and right, it, right. Like it psychoanalysis, not a theory to the pre- of to the sorry, chapter. Sorry. sorry, no, 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 no. no go ahead, go ahead. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say, like, and then that also, like, it harkens back to the point she's making about Reagan and the symbolic position that is like that. It like it cannot be it cannot be taken apart by by little 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 like uh uh like like chiseling like seemingly to chisel away at the person that doesn't do anything to 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 get at the symbolic. So anyway, yeah. What were you gonna say? No, I just gonna say. You know, psychoanalysis, I mean, she gives credit to Lacan for this theory, but it, it Lacan really doesn't develop this as a theory like she does here. So I mm. think that there, there, she kind of tries to discern a theory of the history of modernity, mm. this fundamental shift that occurs within modernity mm. and is, is, is identified by the relation between detective fiction and film noir. She de- tries to, to psychoanalyze that historical shift. And I think it's really, it's just incredible, I think. And, mm. you know, it's, the Boardwell attack is sad, but, you know, she, I think, I, I, uh, I think she rightly hasn't responded to that, actually. Right, right. Well, yeah. it makes a nice, you know, I, um, I, I think I said earlier that it was indulgent that I did that, but it does make for a nice uh, transition into the final chapter. But, we may have to take that up another day. Yeah, to be think? continued. Uh, <laughs> to be continued on this, where where she substantially engages uh, Judith Butler's uh, uh, gender trouble in a way very distinct from how David Boardwell uh, dismissively that is true. quote that is engages true. Uh, with Joan Kopchak. Um, so watch uh, uh, the lesson is Tom McGowan. Uh, I think it's watch Double Indemnity and Detour. Yes, although neither yes. of them are the greatest film noir. I don't think. So. You think it? I will leave past? that. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. leave it as a mystery, uh, but I do think it's out of the past. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, nice. over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.